Welcome back to a Night Shift Football Red Edition. Hey, if you're new to the show and here to listen for the first time, the Red Edition is, of course, where we talk all about our beloved Reds, Adelaide United. If you want to hear us, three idiots on the internet with cheap microphones, talk about the Premier League, Serie A, Champions League, all that European stuff, go check out the episodes with the green logos. You can hear uh, outrageous claims about disallowed goals and the futility, futility of the VAR system, etc., etc., etc. You can go back and hear it all. Uh, now, we love our European football. We've all got our teams, but the one thing the three of us all get around together is Adelaide United. I say three because I'm joined, as always, by Tommy. Say hi. Hi. Hey, man. Cooper, say hi. Hi. There you go. Uh, right, let's just jump straight in. Before we go into our A-League content, because obviously there's um, an A-League season just kicking off in days, uh, we should have a bit of a look at the Socceroos. They had a friendly against England. Uh, Tommy, you get up for this. Do you want to give us your thoughts on a, an entertaining 1-0 friendly? Oh, entertaining is a stretch. Uh, yeah, I was up at Hell AM to see this. Uh, watch our colonial masters, as they are, deliver quite a tepid performance I thought, but uh, ultimately was enough to push us to one side and get the victory. Um, it was kind of sim- symptomatic of the day, wasn't it? it there's been less, there's been, or there's been worse 1-0 friendlies, I think. As far as 1-0 friendly games go, I, th- I think this was one of the better ones you could get, but still not the most happening. Um, Australia may be unlucky not to snag a goal or two. Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, maybe tepid was more for the English side of things, which like you can completely understand. They it was a much changed lineup. Uh, the back three of uh, Dunk, Tamori, and Colwell. Uh, you know, you had Ollie Watkins up top and Jared Bowen running around, not doing a much. It, it was not England's strongest lineup, without a doubt. But that I don't think should detract too much from what Australia were able to produce on the day. Um, we played a fairly full strength lineup. I think we were yeah. missing Riley McGree, which you know would have added some kind of forward dynamism, um, especially in in the formation that we were playing. But it's for me ultimately, you know, before we dive a little bit more intricately into the game, it's just another one. I said this in the in the wake of the Mexico game. I'm not. I'm not sure. Still, what constitutes a good Australian performance? I think that there's a lot of applause and and backslapping about the fact that we only lost one nil to England. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't inspire much. It looks very much like the World Cup campaign, and this is definitely Arnie's mo now: to sit, organise, be physical. You know try and exploit long balls and set pieces. I think I agree with you. Like, um, like we've, we seem to have gone, we go in, in circles with the soccer is a bit, I think with this stuff where we do, uh, like we play appallingly sometimes against these, the, the, some of the lower teams in Asia in the qualifying and things like that. Um, but then we seem to have these better or more more inspired looking performances against the better teams. Maybe that's just a the case of being dragged down by your opposition. But um, it does. We're the ones dragging them down. But or? this is a but this is a reason. This is a reason why. Um, no, I'm saying get, we get dragged down by the teams in Asia. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. but I think maybe it's like. This is why we. It's hard to put a finger on just what the soccerers are capable of. What's their height? What's their, you know, what's the ceiling for them? We just don't really know. Still, Cooper, you got any thoughts? 
yeah, I thought I'd better jump in with a few things before I get slashed in pieces for not speaking for the first nine minutes of this podcast again, Sammy. Oh, welcome <laughs> um, to the pod. Yeah, Cooper got, <laughs> Cooper got some hate in a group, group chat for um, not contributing because he just doesn't, he refuses to talk about anything other than Premier League in the Euro episodes. It's, amazingly, it's time a, to warm up. Amazingly, on a weekend as well, where I started the podcast by saying that I watched lots of games from other leagues for the first time that weekend. Um, <laughs> Unreal. No, but. No adulation. Australia are really gonna. They're really gonna dig into this. This underdog. We're not supposed to win this game. Let's see what we can pinch system under Arnie. And I'm still just concerned that playing this kind of football is gonna come back and bite them. Going to an Asian Cup, um, where they're probably going to be better than a lot of the teams there, and they're gonna be incapable of, you know, being the team that is on top during those yeah. games, having a majority of the ball and taking their opportunities. Because for the last two and a half, three years, we've just sat behind the ball against better teams. But I think that's why they were, you know, capable of winning the Asian Cup with Ange because they went at teams that just weren't as defensively capable as what they usually play. Yeah, perfect. No, I really like that. And I think that shows the the perfect dichotomy between Ange who, and this was a different time of football as well because this was like very much the possession-based obsession that everybody had. And if you were going to be a premier footballing team, you needed to be able to play out from the back. You needed to be able to control midfield areas and exploit, um, you know, attacking situations of which you were creating yourself. But then I reckon we've come now into 2023 where, you know, this is a question for the pair of you. Maybe Arnie was a little bit ahead of the game all along. And I don't want to give him too much credit, but, the way that now, you know, teams can be very functional, um, even entertaining, some would say, just by sitting in strangling danger areas of the park and attempting to catch, you know, the better equipped teams in transitions. This is a very modern take on football now. And this is something that we do really well. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily disagree. Um, I just think it's, it's a timing. It's an on the day. Who's your opponent? What are you doing? Um you know, we over, I don't want to say overachieved, we, the Australian team achieved what it did at the most recent World Cup because of the way that Arnie set them up. And and unfortunately, whether we love or we hate him, we can't take that away from him or, or the squad. Um, But, and now I understand why we're continuing to sit behind the ball against England, but in a game that's just a friendly, you know, in tw- 12 months before we go into a major tournament that we're expected to, have some sort of success at, you know, maybe we don't need to be sitting behind the ball in these friendlies and and Arnie could be trying a thing or two, you know, using friendlies, international friendlies, what they're there for and trying a thing or two, regardless of, you know, if, if Australia go to Wembley mm. and lose 4-0 to England, they go to Wembley and lose 4-0 to England. But if they get something out of it, they can take into the Asian Cup in 12 months. It's a lot better than sitting behind the ball, losing 1-0, thinking, oh, we were there. But, you know, it has a negative impact on the on the competition football that they play. But if we had jagged something out of this game, which, you know, potentially we could have because Ryan Strain had the best opportunity in the first half. Mm. Uh, uh, Connor Metcalf hits the post laid on from a header from a set piece. You know, we definitely had our chances. We could have had two goals, definitely. If we dra- if we get something out of the game by playing the way Arnie sets up with the rigidity and the, you know, the organisation that he likes, does that, is that like a false pretense into that he is successful at that or... I think it just remains to be seen, you know, like if they, 
we're going to have to wait and see what happens at this Asian Cup with the way that Arnie sets up. But how do two football teams that both want to sit behind the balls succeed against each other if we come into games where, you know, you play a, a Taiwan or, or whoever and they sit 10 men behind the ball and let Australia have 70% possession? What are they going to be capable of doing with it other than, you know, what they've done all separately when attacking with their club teams? Because every time they've played together in an international group, they've just sat as a unit. Yeah. Um, I want to pinpoint just, I want to dig a bit deeper into just a couple of moments of the game. Um, so we had obviously the Ryan Strain chance that you just mentioned, Tommy, uh, just quickly, should have done better? Yes or no? Oh, yes. He's rarely finds he himself a, in that area. Yeah. He had a superb half. Like I honestly mm. thought he pocketed Grealish. Like he did not do a lot. He was very physical early on. Um, Post-game, Grealish came out and said he'd received the deadest leg he's ever received from a Ryan Strain challenge. Love that. Which I think, I think that's a goal in itself. We should have been one up from that. <laughs> um, but in that scenario, that was the, you know, the quintessential Arnie counterattack in which we opened up the left-hand side, dragged the English defence across, and, you know, really nice play by Boyle uh, to put on a plate for Strain. He should have hit that with more conviction. The fact that he, you know, plays a low-grounded side-footed shot is symptomatic of him being a fullback. Maybe, you know, yeah. a little... He's good from a set-piece. We've seen Ryan Strain score set-piece goals in Scotland. But a guy with a little bit more prowess in front of goal probably would have buried that. Yeah, fair. Can I ask, just Tom, do you think that 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 finish from Ryan Strain, this could be a a huge, you know, over-analysis, is that symptomatic of the mindset that this team is playing with, that we're sitting behind the ball and going, we need to take our opportunities when when we get them and they're few and far between, so I can't step up and put my foot through this because I just have to hit the target. Digging real deep. That's digging (laughs) real deep. Do you not just think this is is the way that teams play football? No, I don't think so. If you are only getting one or two chances in a game... I don't think that comes up. There is a stronger... I'm just, I'm interested to see what Tom thinks on this, because if you're, you're knowing they've been playing this football for nearly two years now, that against the better teams, you're only getting one or two chances in mm-hmm. game. I think personally, there is more, there is more of a mental load on you to make sure that you're hitting the target and working the keeper. Yes, I agree. I agree with exactly that last point. I, he did not want to blaze away and miss the goal completely. And I think that does play into the fact that he chose the very safe, low grounded effort of which he was definitely going to hit the target and he beat the goalkeeper, but it, it wasn't enough to get the defenders um, to beat the defenders that were covering on the line. I think Jeez. it was Lewis that got in behind and cleared it. He just needed to hit it with a little bit more force, a little bit more confidence. Yeah, we'll never know. There. I feel like, gee, that's a that's going real deep there. I don't know how you well, could possibly correlate any of that together at all, but <laughs> go for it. Um, Ryan, Ryan Strand said post-game that he thought it was in and – I don't think anybody watching the game thought that was going in when he hit it. <laughs> no one. Um, the other one, just before we get off of the Socceroos, that Mitch Duke had that mm. a bit of a tough chance. Good ball put into him, and he just did probably the best he could with that. Nearly, um, you need Is a bit of luck with those sometimes. Yeah, the volley just yeah. coming in, I mate. It's it a little bit behind him. He did well to get it as close as he did. Um, I Mitch thought it was Duke really good, a, actually. Mitch Duke's Duke. a player. Hold on, Mitch Duke's a player that we've. Um, you know, we've we've given a lot of hate in the past, a lot of hate. Um, perhaps purely not not really his fault, more so just the fact that he's not a Viduka, he's not, you know, Tim K, who is not all these good strikers or attackers that we've had in the past. Um, but we've come, I think we've probably come around a bit more to the fact that he is probably the Socceroos' best choice. 
But I think we probably need to go one step further now in that his work rate and his the runs he does make are pretty smart, and he's 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 earned he's earning his way back into my good books. He yeah. to to me he is the guy for this particular Socceroos team. Yeah, I think a lot of people that have watched the Socceroos for the in, entire stretch of time that they persisted with Mitch Duke have been severely frustrated because there have been better players for better times in the systems that they've played. But now with Arnie sitting behind the ball, the guy up front playing by himself needs to be physical. He needs to supply a target and he needs to work hard. And we've taken the piss out of Mitch Duke for years because those are the only three things we feel like he can do. But if that's what Arnie's <laughs> looking for in a striker, then then he's the guy that that needs to be there um tom made a comment during the game that when when duke came off and borello and, and yordi Bose came on for the socceroos they looked a lot more exciting but i also I, I agree with that but i also think they lost a lot of structure yep no definitely um yeah the organization was thrown out the window which will help in those games against taiwan or vietnam or whoever when we have to come up against those minnows you, i think you would rather see borello Awer and Geordie Bose. I think that's a great front three for those kind of games. But for this, I thought Mitch Duke was excellent. He was everywhere across the back four for England. He was winning everything in the air. I think his uh, partnership and relationship with Marty Boyle is great. Like Boyle is such a great reader of what Mitch Duke's going to do next. And the amount of times that Duke, you know, was contesting against two center backs and was able to get the ball to fall to crumbs. And Boyle was there instantly to be able to feed a pass backwards and retain possession. I that's going to be a really good weapon for us going forward if we're going to be happy to play this Arnie ball. Cool. We'll wrap it there on the Socceroos. I think they've got another friendly Wednesday morning. Uh, Wednesday it's morning more, they play more, more than a friendly. It's well, for the Ashes. Yeah, okay. It's a friendly. Against New Zealand at uh, the GTEC <laughs> Community Stadium, which I believe is Brentford's or the London Irish for any British rugby union fans out there. Um Let's go. Let's talk about Adelaide United. It's time. We did an episode a few weeks back, maybe a month or so now, where we all kind of, we felt like we had to do an episode and get a lot of shit off our chest because the club has had probably its most disastrous off off season uh, that I can remember for a long, long time. Um, Let's just jump forward and look forward to this season. I've got a bunch of questions here. I'm just going to go through. I'm going to hit you both up for some answers on this. Uh, We'll start with a bit of an easier one, maybe, but the, the captaincy, it's fallen to Ryan Kiddo. People have mixed opinions on this. I personally think it's brilliant. He's he's the obvious choice in this squad at the moment. Um, Cooper, I'll go to you first if you like. Ryan Kiddo, captain. Yay, nay. Yeah, um, for those of, of you that have listened to this podcast for some time or, or that know me, you know oh, that I am go. probably Ryan Kiddo's or one of Ryan Kiddo's biggest critics in terms of people that, that have watched Adelaide United over the years. Um, That's probably because you didn't go to school with him, though. But, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> only only the few of us that are lucky enough to can. Um, but yay for me. Um, I'm actually on board. I don't. Ah. I don't think, and I said this being at the friendly last week, I said I don't think he's the number one leader in this squad. But in terms of what a captain provides, especially in this country where there's a lot of just like 
a, a media barrage around around football and and these clubs and the way Adelaide United are going to be perceived if they have an unsuccessful season. Um, Kiddo's the guy. He's South Australian. He's been here as long as he can. He works hard. He's everything that the Australians that don't love football or even it seems the Australians that do love football, they love in a player, just that hard work and dog yeah, that's absolutely. every single minute that he's played. And, and I think we've seen it before that a captain doesn't always have to be the most vocal guy. Like, I don't think we ever saw Craig be the most vocal guy on the pitch at any point in time. Um, Ben Halloran and NSIS can do that if they need to, but behind the scenes and in front of the, in front of the face of the world, I think Ryan Kiddo is a perfect choice. I love that. I thought Goody's best attributes as captain was his ability to get around the younger guys. And that was very evident in the Socceroos game. Oh, we didn't even mention Goody in the game. Goody was great, obviously. Um, but when Motore came on, uh, there was a really nice moment after the game with the two embrace. And you could see that Goodwin was really geeing him up and letting him know this is it. This is the beginning of everything. And I think you saw him do that with Aaron Kunda. And you saw him do that with the younger boys throughout the season. And that's a similar thing that Kiddo can can provide. Like Kiddo to me seems like your typical club man, like wins best lad to be around every season and is like a genuinely reliable individual. Um, and you said, Coop, that he was mouthing off at Jacob Tratt in a friendly recently, which adds a few more points in my book to him. He, But at the end of the day, who else would it be? I just... I, um... As as well, I think you've just mouthing off a Jacob Trout was hilarious, yeah. But um, in a, in a positive way, and not to make this sound bad, but mouthing off his own teammates, um, which I love, just keeping guys accountable. Um, yeah. and I think one thing that I really I noticed as well is that he didn't communicate or speak any differently to the senior guys, the young guys, or the guys on trial. If they did something wrong, they all cop the same treatment. If they did something right, they all cop the same praise. And it's just, I think there's a level of respect when when your leader, the guy that you're supposed to look up to, can put every single player at the club on one platform. And I feel like he's done that very well already. Yeah. Almost 200 appearances for the club. Um, you know, has been around since, I don't know, 2016, I think. And when you look at the options for, that have been picked for vice captain, uh, Isaias, which is good. Like I'm, I'm glad that we're not just giving the armband back to him because that is, yeah, it's not a forward move. Uh, the other ones are Gauchi, which is okay, but I can only see him being with us for one more season. Like he must have overseas ambitions, surely. That's if fine. Tom Glover can, if Tom Glover can go to the championship, Gauchi should be gone very soon. And the other one is fucking Ben Halloran who I just, I don't see leadership quality at all within that man. But maybe if you can give him the armband, he moves to another level. We we was, um... Hold that thought on Halloran. We'll, I, th- I feel like there'll be more to come on that later. But mm-hmm. um, we're, we're just, were you talking about Kiddo? Yeah, we're thin on natural options is what I was going to say. Cooper, what did you have there that you were about to say? Um, he, during the friendly that I watched last week between Western United. Obviously, there was this whole thing, only 30 people could go, lucky enough to go um, watch the game, pretty miserable game of football. Um, but got to hear everything going on on the pitch before the game, during the game, after the game. And Ben Halloran was really that guy, um, you know, leading all the warm-ups, 
when they were in in their little huddle before the game, he was the one doing all the talking during their huddle, a halftime after the game, every single little there bit with go. Ben Haller. And, and whether whether he's a natural leader or not, or whether this is him wanting to wanting to step up and and give something back, um, it remains to be seen. Um, Robbie Cornthwaite said on the round table that Adelaide United released during the week that he's put a huge workload in this off season. He's he's lost. He felt he was a little bit unfit last season and and lost a bit of pace. He's put five kilos down apparently, according to. Robbie Cornthwaite, he's he's ready to go and he's ready to supposedly try and earn some respect back from the Adelaide crowd. So if he wants Ugh. to try and do that and succeeds, then sure. But I did say hold that, hold your thoughts on Halloran. <laughs> and I thought you were about to talk about kiddo, and now you've gone back to Halloran and you know, throwing, you're throwing my run sheet all over the place, man. You're, you're killing me. You are absolutely killing me. Well, uh, I'm going to move it on. I'm going to move it on. Um, I want to talk about Hiro Ibasuki. I want to know where we're at with this guy a big kind of a wild start the big uh what i've been calling the japanese Giroud. um great start scoring goals involved in a lot work rate great uh the drop off i feel like has been big and i feel like we've had players in the past who we have not we've never let it slide that they've performed this averagely or this to this level of mediocre um ibasuki where are we at with him what's the go I just first, could you see him playing goal? Uh probably he's tall. Definitely. 1.96 meters. Like the man could definitely get between the sticks. Um, he still bagged seven goals last season, which you know, from 21 appearances, not the most shocking return rate. I think the drop-off the year that we're talking about, everyone knows about. He went 10 games without a goal. Um, and all those games he started as well. It didn't even look like scoring in those games though. At all. Yeah. Not like, at it, wasn't, all. And it wasn't just he needed a bit of luck. It was just not there. It just wasn't happening for him. Um, half of which those games that we won as well. So in that sense, it makes me wonder if Hero isn't like a goal scorer that we need to rely upon. If he can be involved in, you know, linking the play, his ability to hold up a long ball is just second to none in this league. And that that's something on Highmarks that really, really, really gets me going. Is if I can see him with two or three defenders around him, and he can take it on his chest and part, and you know, give it yep. off to a Dishy or a Yarl or whoever, I think that's where his greatest uh, commodity lies. Yeah, absolutely. That's where, like, that's where I'm not too even. Like, you know, you say he scored seven goals last year. It was more about the rest of his overall play. It just um, wasn't doing it for me, Cooper. Hero. Yeah, um, we had a good chat about him during the week, um, and I think he would be a great striker and a great team. And to me, that's why he's going to struggle this season again. Um, his goals and his best form for me came in the win streak and, and the undefeated run that we went on last season. Yeah. Um, when the team was up and about, he was up and about. When the team wasn't up and about, he had no ability to bring the team up a level. Um, with Craig Goodwin gone, we're, we're losing 23 scoring involvements from last season and, and we haven't replaced them. It's, it's just a fact of the matter. It's massive. Yeah. So massive, yeah. It, I don't think it matters if you've got a striker that can hold the ball up. If you've lost 23 scoring involvements from last season, you need a striker that can score goals. And unfortunately, I don't think in this squad that he is that guy. To, to me, he could go to a, a Sydney FC who, who have signed good players or he could go, you know, he could go to a Melbourne City and he could score 20 goals in a season because he, he just feels like one of those guys who put a good, good ball on his head, he's going to hit the target, find himself in the right positions. But we're not we're not going to create enough as a team to have a striker that can't create anything for himself. 
Does in that case, does he need a second striker? Like, are we talking about a Halloran, a Luca, a Johnny O, maybe, who would thrive off picking up his scraps? You know, almost in the vein of Mark Viduka, where I'm not saying heroes Viduka, obviously, but in in you know, oh, Viduka I can see all the sp- comments online now. Oh, this guy. Uh, you called Hiroshi Vasuka Vaduka. Oh. My fucking phone's blowing up already. Um, <laughs> but Vaduka only ever scored like, what, six goals for the Socceroos or whatever in 50 appearances. But the idea that he was a structural integrity in the build-up play to scoring goals. Giroud for I France. Giroud for France, exactly. This And this is why we continue to hark back on this. If you can pin him up as a lone striker draw the central defenders and maybe even get the fullback scared that they need to be alert, that he's going to win every single thing that comes in the air on halfway. You bring in guys, even the wingers, Bernardo, Aaron Kunda, if you can get that working, I think that's going to be our biggest advantage going into this season. And that will be his, you know, biggest contribution for the game. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty keen on on Luca by himself at, at the moment. I just think from, from what I've seen and the way I think our squad is going to play out that, we're going to need a striker that's nippy enough to go with our fast wingers on the counter. And I don't think Hero's that guy. I reckon 4 2 4 this season. No one's playing 4 2 4, man. <laughs> I know. That's why I think we should do it. You think we should just, yeah, expose the entire midfield? Yeah, sure. fuck the midfield. We'll just yeah, play transition him. from back to front. Sure. Always yeah. makes one horrendously irrational There's always, comment. You I was waiting for coming. it. Yeah, I was waiting for it. Last week it was Isaac's <laughs> goal should be disallowed. This week it's, uh, we should play a four-two-four. Well, Righto. given how faulty our defensive line is, why do we not just go out to try and score more goals than the opposition? I think we do, but four-two-four ain't the way to do it. Um, all right. Last year we sat here about this time and we said, coming out of a semi-final, what's the minimum that we need to achieve the next season? We all said, I think semi-final again. Uh, which Cooper, I'm not even sure you were with us for that actually, but. Tom, you and I definitely both would have said semi-final was a minimum, you know, at least meeting that same mark again. Unfortunately, I don't think we can say this this season, given the off-season that we've had. Uh, tumultuous is the word I'll use. But mm. um, given the squad at the moment, given everything that's happened off the field, what would be an acceptable finishing position this season for you, Tommy? It is crazy, the drop-off that is anticipated because of Craig Goodwin's departure. And like Cooper alluded yep. to the goal involvements. Um, I think we, we said it multiple times, where would we have finished last season without Craig Goodwin? And my mind always went to bottom four. Yeah. And so if we can do, if we can finish above the bottom four this season, I would be more or less okay with it. Mainly because there are sides around us who have significantly strengthened I mean, you look at Sydney, I think Sydney look a real force this time around. Melbourne City are always going to be good. Brisbane Royal look like they've got their act together. And then you've got, you know, yeah. Victory, West Sydney, who are always going to be up and around the mark. And so if we can be somewhere between six and eight, so you I, think I you're putting the you're putting it at eight then? I'll put down eight for we'll, you. We'll, we'll put down eight at, at okay. the very minimum. Pippa. 
Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, I think you're overestimating a few preseason performances of sides. I think every year we come into a season going, oh, well, this team achieved in the Australia Cup. They must have their shit together. And it's just you reckon that's false works. form? I reckon um, it's false form. I do. I reckon I, that's good. No, I think the Raw, I'm, I'm going to cement the Raw in the bottom four. That's that's my call for the season. Really? Yeah, Adelaide United, I'm going to cement the Raw Jesus. in the bottom four. Big call. Um, They've recruited well. We can talk a bit about them later, but yeah. I, I, to, to me, I just still think that there's probably five teams that I can rattle off the top of my head in MacArthur, the Glory, the Knicks, the Raw and the Jets that I think we should be better than. Um, so I think I'd be disappointed to finish lower than eighth. I'd expect us to be somewhere around seventh and it would be an achievement to make finals. Yeah, right. Um, so it looks like six to eight is our consensus. I'm coming out and saying sixth, but I'm aware I've set that bar a little bit higher because I just know that uh, I, I, I'm i doing that more out of ambition. I think that if we made finals this year and finished sixth with this team, I think that would be quite an achievement given the squad we have right now. I don't know if it will happen. I, I tend to agree six to eight more so. Six would be a big stretch. Probably, but I know that if we don't get that, the question technically was, um, "What what's acceptable for you?" And for me, it's got to be finals. We just got to make finals. I think um, I'm going to be pissed if we don't. Uh, we probably won't, but it is what it is. I'm going in circles now. I've I've got a feeling this is going to be a long season where we go in circles a lot and we love and hate the club all at the same time. I think it's going to be a roller coaster as usual. There's going to be some weeks where we get belted and some weeks we belt other sides. You know, it's just the nature of having so many kids in the starting 11 and in the in the playing group. But uh, like finishing sixth, I just, I don't really see the benefit in it because then where do we go in the finals? Like we just crash out first week and it's. Yeah, maybe you just give yourself the opportunity, don't you? You extend the I season. I don't give yourself a sniff. With the way that this club works and how we we bring play young players and attempt to retain young players, I don't think in a, in a league like this where it's not like you know we're not talking oh you're getting worse draft picks or something for making finals. There's no detriment to not make to to missing yeah. finals. So playing mm-hmm. sixth and and losing you know three one in a in an away final, there's never a ne- never a negative experience for a young player to to get to play in a final and experience what that kind of mm-hmm. pressure is like. Yeah, fair. I mean, this is South Australia. You should know better than anyone. The the Crows, 97-98, back-to-back, out of nowhere. Oh, my God. I'm not a Crows fan, but, you know, they go on about it here in Crowland. Oh, so. mate. I was there. I was in Melbourne yeah. for it. What a what a buzz. Um, you're like four. How buzzed, how buzzed were you at four years old? Do, do you actually want to know the experience that I had? No. Go on. Know. No, we don't want to have it. All right. Let's say hypothetically uh, we get sixth or seventh, you know, for us to achieve that, which is the player you think this year who really needs uh, to turn it up and make things happen? It's got to be, it's got to be your elder statements, right? Like it's Hiroshi, it's Halloran, it's Dishy finally doing something. I want you to tell me which one. If you have to have, there's one player in this team. It's got to be Dishy. It's got to be Clough. It's got to be Clough. It's time. He's yep. He yeah. You know, I, I just I cannot see anything that he's done in the year and a half that he's been here yet. No, I can't believe the deals con- we gave him. Oh man, it's a re- oh, it's just it's crazy. There's been a few contract extensions that I have questioned, but that's got to be the one. Uh, we wouldn't wouldn't extend Craig, but here we are. No, we gave Panache three years, but you don't want it anyway. 
it, it, yeah, Klopp has to stand up at the moment. And if he has another lackluster six months, three months even, there's no chance that he ever gets back into this side because then you've got Yal and Aligic and guys that are actually bursting to show their talent. Yep. Um, we always come back to, you know, if you we get these imports in and they're just going to be dog shit and not do it, may as well just chuck them to the pine and let the young let the young kids out there. Cooper, the which run. player do you think needs to really turn it up this season if we're going to have any chance of yeah, I'm, pushing for sixth? I'm on I'm on Zach as well. Um, Zach, I've okay. Been, I've been Pressure. one of his biggest biggest defenders in the last in the last two seasons, and I still think that his passing is a cut above anything else we have. He just we just need to see him use it to to a positive effect, and and whether yeah. that's that's game style or the players around him or whatever it is, you know, he's got he's got his Brexit buddy to cover his ass in the midfield now. He just needs to play. Needs to play with a little bit more freedom <laughs> and see what he can do with the ball. Brings it funny. I like that. He, yeah, maybe he is a victim of the fact that we do play wide. We have played wide for the last two seasons that he's been I, involved. To, to me, I've always said that, that his best games have been when he's played in the 10. Carl's often mm-hmm. used him on a wing because we've been, you know, shortchanged at times. And I think this year we will see him in that 10 constantly. But I, I do honestly feel like he's been a little bit victimized by not just the way we play wide, but playing in front of a double double pivot too. He's been that guy that gets the ball on an island, he turns, and his only option is to play the ball to one of the wingers, and, and that's all it is. I don't think there's ever been a moment in his time here where he's had the freedom to come forward and be and you know be told, you know what, take a risk, try and pick a pass. I don't think we've yep. ever played like that in a time that he's here. And without without Craig on that wing to just feed the ball to, you know, maybe, just maybe, they might ask Zach to just try and unlock a thing or two uh, this season. It could be like the Harry Kane um experiment you take away the one key focal point and all of a sudden it opens up other areas who do you want to see him partnered with in midfield then someone that's a little bit closer to him yeah um it's it's johnny yell for me um i i really want to see like as the eight him used as the guy that goes box to box and runs gets gets forward alongside zach as well as comes back and and I'd love to see him used in that midfield with with Ryan Tunnicliffe. Um, I know that leaves that leaves Izzy off the park, but there's to me there's going to be games where Izzy rotates in and out, and you just you just need to use him for the experience that he is. But but you know we've seen at times last year when when Izzy's on he can be the best player on the pitch, but when he's not he can be a major liability. So I just believe that we need to be careful how we use him at times. Yeah, it's certain fixtures you want Izzy in. It's like the Wellington Phoenix games and, you know, one of the whoever is going to give us possession, that's where you want Izzy to play in that in the hole in front of the the midfield and oh in front of the defense behind the midfield. My uh my player who I think just real just has to show up this season is Ben Hallen. Yeah, I thought since returning to the club, I think uh what three goals last season, not not enough from him. Um, just the player that he was when he left was, he, he was good. He probably, um, I thought he was excellent know. before he left. Yeah. He definitely had his moments. Um, I think what it was when he came back, there seemed to be a real, it was a different guy. And I don't just mean in terms of his goals. I thought his work rate was pretty pathetic at times. Um, that showing very little heart or effort, uh, in a lot of games and I might, maybe I'm out of place there. Maybe he was, but it looked that way. That's how it came across to us in the stands. That's how it came across when we were watching away games on telly, you know, um, the bookings, the cards. Um, 
a lot of really poor, weak moments from him. Um, gets pushed off the ball very, very easily. It wasn't the same guy, and he really needs to step it up this year, I think, especially with Craig Don. He's, I feel like he's the main guy we're looking to in the front third, uh, even in the mid middle like third as well, um, just helping out, coming back and helping out in defence and bombing forward, doing his thing and looking dangerous and trying to get at defenders. So he's the guy I'm going with. Definitely. And on that, the weird interactions he used to have with Irin Kunder as well. I just, yeah. There was, there was a lot about his game that just didn't sit well with me last season. Yeah. Um, it would be so good to see him light it up. And if, if you know, what Cooper said is I'd correct. Love it, yeah. He's shed five kegs and he wants to take on a leadership role here. This could be the making of him. And this, you know, oh, fuck. If we could have prime Halloran back. I mean, I, I'll never forget the chip against Melbourne City that put us, was it 4-3 up or equal? I was 3-2 yeah. up, I think, at Highmarsh. Just one of the most, oh, the the weird little backheel goal he did. I can't remember who it was against. He comes off the line yeah. and flicks it in. Just that, the ingenious stuff where he's playing with confidence and he knows that he can do this. Because he's still nowhere near done. He's 31. Like he's, mm. you know, he's got a few good seasons in him still and we know he can do it. Um, I just want to see if we're going to have a player like this with his resume on our list, uh, we want him to be performing. You know, we can't have him underperforming. Otherwise, it does become a case again of like just uh, like with the cloth, like I said, just just get him out and you may as well play Bernardo and play whoever, like whatever kid is coming through out there, you know, uh, play Panache on the wing if you need to. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. So he's the player. My next question I've got for you guys, uh, it's somewhat similar, but maybe not. Depends how you want to look at it. Uh, who is playing for their career this season? Are there any players who you think it is make or break? And I guess this this probably rules out the older guys, but definitely the the mid the mid 20s guys or the or the youngsters. Any of them having a make or break season here? Cooper, yeah, you um, yeah cool. Um, in my head, I don't know if you mind here. I sort of, I sort of separated this into into two categories. Um, yeah, go on. I have I have one player that I think a good season can make them, and for me, that's Bernardo Oliveira. Um, okay, cool. There is yeah. going to be a Nestor Irunkunda sized hole on the right wing in twelve months' time, and if our option to replace him was Bernardo in in the, the form and the availability that we've seen so far, I would be really disappointed. But a Bernardo that takes, you know, two or three steps towards being the player that we think he can be this season could be a really great option to, to replace those guys on that right side next season. Yeah. Um, and then for me, a player that a bad season this year or an average season this year would break their career for me is Ben Warland. Um, 27 years old now, and I'm still yet to be impressed by any single performance of his in a red shirt. Uh, Carl seems to to love him. In my head, it's blatantly a shining light obvious that Alexander Popovich and Nick Ansel should be the centre-back combo this season. But if Warland is the guy that plays, and and he will play games, it's just you know how rotation is going to work. If he's out of the first two, he's going to be the next in line. He needs to step up because 27 years old now, and he's... He's been one of those guys, you know, there's players that we've thought in the past have deserved more of an opportunity and haven't got one or players that that deserve an opportunity and never been given one. And this guy is just given opportunity after opportunity. And then it's time for him to take it by two hands and stand up. Yeah. I thought his best performance last season was, was when he got sent off against MacArthur. And we ended up having 
like better defensive solidity <laughs> without the guy in the, the fucking team. The Nick masterclass the kept a clean sheet by himself. <laughs> Halley on it right back. It was everything I wanted to see. I, no, I totally agree with Ben Warland. The move to Sydney did not work for him because I think everyone saw a potential um, really good A-League footballer. And I think if you, it, I always like to compare him to Elsie. And I always thought Warland had a higher ceiling than Elsie, but he just he has not been able to ex, like you know exhibit that at the moment. And the games that he has played, he's looked faulty. I just I don't see what his best defensive attribute is because it's not man marking. He's not crazy good in the air. His reading of the game isn't brilliant. So yeah, I, like I'd I'd have Bar ahead of Warland at the moment, but in all likelihood, we we line up with Popovich and Warland against the Mariners on Friday night, and that in and of itself could be a disaster. I'm yeah, completely with you. For me, the one who's playing for the career this season, it's got to be the new boy Ryan Tunnicliffe, right? Because I'm I'm of the opinion that like any waste man that comes from the UK, joins over to Oz for a fucking gap year, he should have his professional future on the line. Yeah, like if you don't if you don't perform, sorry, mate, you're a brickie now. Like you, you're not a footballer. Yep, um, I completely agree on Tony Cliff. Like, I'm skeptical still about the the resume. Um, I think the same as like with Clough. You know, we see these guys come from League One, and is it necessarily better? We look at we talked about in our last pod, I think, about Adelaide, where we talked about Yengi and. The guys that have gone over to England and been able to perform and like, you know, would Yengi strike you as a sort of player that would perform in England? No. And that's because of the pedestal we put League One on. Is it necessarily that much better than the A-League? Probably maybe, probably not. You know, given what we've seen. He's got five goals in five games now, Yengi. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, good on him, but it it makes me real sceptical of this player. And you see like Clough comes out of League One or, championship or whatever he was playing comes over and he's he's been super ordinary so um agree with you on Tunnicliffe I agree also with Cooper on uh uh Ben Warland uh they were two of the names I had here the third name for if none of you mentioned him was going to be uh Josh Cavallo um mm. I I don't know he's 23 so it's not done um but the way he burst onto the scene uh, with the energy and looked like a really handy player for us, I think has probably fallen victim to not really having a locked-in position, Yeah, I think, which has meant yeah. he's filled in at left back, he's filled in at centre mid, he's filled in at left wing. Being the age he is, he hasn't played much MPL, you know. Um, he's just kind of been on the bench most weeks, losing sharpness not getting a great opportunity. I, I feel like there's still a player in there if he could get similar to the Dorigo situation we had last season where once he started to play regular football, we saw the good Louis Dorigo come back and he um you know and earn himself you know earn himself the minutes and get in the game time. I think it's it's make or break for Josh Cavallo now. If it doesn't work though, I guess maybe not break. I can still see other A-league clubs probably taking a punt on him. Maybe, yeah. but yeah, it, it might break his, his break his Adelaide United career. Um, yeah, I think, like you said, he came on, he burst onto the scene, he he played really well. Oh, 
Paul loved him when he was playing fieldy, breaking the. Sorry. Oh, we've uh, uh, we're just having some freezing there. I think it's okay. I'll cut it out later, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> Carry on. Good to, good to go. Um, yeah, might break his Adelaide career. He burst onto the scene. He had a little bit of time away with injury, and and I also, you know, I'm not sure if he necessarily handled the publicity with with his coming out and everything that came with it and all the great stuff that came with it. But I don't know if he necessarily handled the publicity in terms of being able to be a footballer at the same time. And, but, and by the time he sort of came back and he was ready to go and he got back in the team and he he came off the bench and then he started a game before this most recent injury, potentially there was a few younger guys that had come through and taken his spot. A few guys that had impressed just as much, but were, were Adelaide boys and were 20 years old instead of 23. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think, Tommy, you got anything to say on Cavallo? I was just going to say, I, he seems very much in the utility mould uh, that Ryan Kiddo was in a few seasons ago. Yeah. And Ryan Kiddo was afforded an opportunity in a position and he took it with both hands. And so that's kind of what you want to see Josh Cavallo do. Um, what his best position is, I'm still unsure. Is it? Yeah, I'm unsure as well. I think it's probably somewhere as like a... Uh, like box to box, if center midfielder, it's got to be a midfielder, thing. yeah. I think, yeah. So, or sitting maybe alongside another six, perhaps mm. as well. So, um, but it remains to be seen. We'll see how we go. Um, the last one I have, uh, I've got, we've got a bit more, but this one isn't really a question. I've just got the name Nick Ansel written here. This isn't a make or break. I'm saying this is separate. This is separate to the make or break. I've just written Nick Ansel here because, um, I think Tommy, you and I, I'm not sure about you, Cooper, but I know that Tommy, you and I are very staunchly Nick Ansel pro. We are um, pro Ansel. He should be starting every game, and it was killing us how often he was here, and we were being told that he was supposedly fit and ready, but he wasn't being picked. And we were like, why recruit this guy with A League championships under his belt and not play him? Um, he has to be starting um, and starting this week. The worst part was every time we saw him play, he was good. He like was. He was, he was solid. And he looked to bring an organization to the back four, like a leadership in that back four. In order because we've got young fellas. We got Gauchi, young boy, Popovich, young guy. You know, you know exclude the fullbacks because Kiddo's his own beast and Yavi Lopez is an experienced head. He's he's done everything really in football. But it, we really cried out for that last season. And when Carl decided on a wall and bar or a wall and Popovich for, you know, back two to go forward. It made absolutely no sense to me. And I think it's very telling that Travi Dodd, uh, Bruce Jitte and Robbie Cornthwaite all picked answer was their starting center back. He has to, has to be the first name on the team sheet this season. I think. Yeah, definitely. Could be going on Nick Hansel. We'll just keep it rolling. You agree with um, us? Yeah, agree. Best centre back of the club if Fiddy starts. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's look forward uh, more specifically just to this week because it all gets underway. Friday night, uh, we've got Central Coast at home. Uh, what are we oh. looking for in this one? What are we hoping to get out of an opening round home Friday night fixture against Central Coast? You know what? I think we should win. You think we should I, win? I think the Mariners are in transition. New, yeah. new manager, so Mark Jackson's first game in charge. Uh, they've lost... Possibly, you know, the, the the heart of the team, the spine, in which uh, Triantis has gone to Sunderland, uh, Cumdog's gone. Um, in any Sammy's other league, in any other league, it would be outrageous <laughs> to sit here and say that we're going to finish. 
near the bottom, <laughs> but we should be knocking off last year's champions. But that's the champions. A-League, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that is the A-League. You know, the turnaround Central Coast of Adam Air squad has been huge as well. Yeah, that's it. Just the outs are massive. And you think, uh, yeah, come dog Silvera, um, and Colo's gone. James McGarry's gone as well. He was a really undersung hero yeah. in that team. They're another team going through a transition moment. And, you know, for the big out that we've had with Craig Goodwin, the rest of the side is still very settled. It's still the very same Adelaide United that we know. We were yeah. not able to beat them tactically and football-wise last season. We got turned over a bunch, but if we were ever going to beat them, this is it. And this would be a great statement win if we can pick up three points at home on Friday. Yeah. Cooper, what are you looking for? Um, I'm not confident. Uh, three points would be nice, but I just think don't lose. I think starting yeah, I think that'd be season cool. off with a loss at home would be pretty detrimental, but it could be confidence yeah. boosting to, to get a point in the opening fixture against the champions when there's not a lot of love on your side, not a lot of people that think you can succeed. Um, I still think Tom's right. They're in transition. Um, they've lost a lot of depth. I still think their spine is is better than ours, um, depending how they line up. You know, they've brought Wenzel Halls in, who has shown for multiple years now he can score goals in the A-League. Um, Christian Theo He, hates, he hates playing Adelaide. Um, he gets but, really wound up at Highmarsh, Wenzel Halls. But, you know, that that is on, on the basis that they don't just start two strikers like they have at Highmarsh in the past and they don't just run um, Marco Tullio, who remains at the club and, and a Luke Call who's sorry, Luke Call who's come back to the club um looking for a bit of a revival of his career potentially when overseas didn't necessarily work out. Can I find some form and get get myself back into Socceroos contention? Um their midfield still probably a little bit stronger than ours. Nisbet had an unbelievable season, yeah. his breakout season last yeah, year. He was excellent. Every single time they came to High Marsh, he ran a game for 90 minutes. Yeah, and, true. And true. shutting shutting him down. You know, this could be the the making of Ryan Tunnicliffe. We spoke about, you know, Great point. bad season could break him, but if he can, a guy that tore us apart, if he can, whether it's foul after foul after foul and a little bit of physicality that the smaller guy can't handle, if he can find a way to take him out of this game, it, it gives us an opportunity. So it's going to be a good battle. Um, but yeah, just, I think just don't lose. Yeah. I think I've got that. to agree. Um, I guess what I'm looking for, oh, it's hard to say it without sounding a bit cliche, but who's I'm looking out there and, Looking at the starting lineup, thinking who's gonna who who's gonna give us a bit of a spark when we need it sometimes this season. Who's gonna recognize the moment a bit? Um, you know, the home night games at Highmasters have always been great um for the crowd. And, you know, who's who's gonna rise to that and kind of give us something to look forward to each week so that we're not coming and rocking up. You know, if we go out and lose, you know, three nil first game and everything looks shit ass, it's gonna really set a bad tone for the year. So um you know, I just want to see us hold our own a bit and see what sort of excitement we can generate when we get our chances. So do with that what you will. I feel like that's a bit of a mess, a bit of word spaghetti, but here you go. Um, <laughs> before we talk about the rest of the A-League, just quickly, um, the women side, they play Central Coast as well Friday, 4.30, shitty time slot for people to be able to get to, but... Um, it's just how it works with the double headers there. Uh, they started their season on the weekend on Sunday against Cambria United at high margin, an eight goal game that had a bit of everything. Uh, Cooper, you went along to this one. I was watching at home. Uh, the best and worst of of A League football in this one. 
wasn't it? Yeah. Um, look, the girls were, they were much the better team in this game. Um, I think so too. Double the shots, triple the shots on target, 60% possession. They were, they were fairly dominant. Um, just soft at the back, which, which hurt. Um, Annalie Grove's been a good keeper for us for a year and a half now. She's been fairly consistent and she had a day that she's going to want to forget very quickly. Um, probably one of the worst keeping performances we've seen at Heimarsh. And a second been, goal. Oh, come on. Some shockers. Um, we, we had Robbie Bayage in goals for a time there. Let's not. But no, there's, she, she is a capable goalkeeper and she's going to get a chance to pick herself up. Um, Zoe Tolland and Ella Tonkin, both young centre-backs, started at the back, um, missing Marushka Walters, who in my article during the week I called the most important part of this Adelaide United team, unavailable for round one, potentially available for us on Friday afternoon. You know, experienced international centre-back that's played over 60 games in the A-League now, um, compared to Zoe Tolland, who signed a scholarship contract three weeks ago, starting it in, in a back four. So... There's, there's a few important players to come back. Izzy Hodgson, captain, she'll come back at some point too. This squad's got a long way to go. Um, Three new signings started up front, Alana Jenchevsky, Mariah Lee, and Hannah Blake, and they all found the back of the net. So, I mean, that's a positive. Imagine if we signed three attackers in, in the men's side and they all scored on debut. I think we'd be on, we'd be, <laughs> we'll we'd be be on the – genuinely be on the fucking moon. So, there, there's positives yeah. out of this performance. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. the Hannah Blake the Hannah Blake goal was brilliant as well. That was such a great finish. Um. Yeah, we we created plenty and just real frustrating to I think I described the game to you two on the weekend in the group chat as both teams had the defensive kind of the structural integrity of like dry sand in a in a on a windy beach. It was just atrocious. It was just all over there was no shape. <laughs> there was no structure at all. It was all just chaos. Um all right. A League stuff in general, more broadly. Cooper, you want us to pick out our uh do our predictions. We want a champion, a Johnny Warren medalist, and a golden boot winner. What have you got? Do you wanna do you wanna kick us off, Tommy, or do you want me to go? Um, all right. <clears throat> I'm going for a full sweet Sydney FC role this season. Can and I, it's funny because Cooper's I, already talked shit about the Australia Cup. It is exposed can, form. Can I cut you here? Can, yeah. can, can I go here? I, I just want to see if Tommy is on the same path as me. I've gone champions, Sydney FC, Johnny Tick. Warren medalist, and golden boot, Fabio Gomez. Uh, I've gone golden boot, Fabio Gomez, yes, because this guy looks like a ready-made A-League superstar. He just fits all the capabilities, athletic, strong, good finisher, uh, has a little bit of flair as well. This looks like a guy... I, I think when he plays Adelaide United, he's going to tear us apart, especially if we play Popovich and Wallen at the back. We do not have the capability to stop this guy from scoring goals. I think, um, you know, I, I called Australia Cup false form. Um, and, and this is potentially because we talk about, when we're talking about Brisbane Raw, they played put three or four good performances together, but they played weaker MPL sides and then had an opportunity to stand up against Sydney in the final and couldn't necessarily do it. But Fabio yeah. Gomez came on for Sydney in this cup final and had five shots on target and scored two goals in 25 minutes. Yeah. And Sydney played four out of five A-League opposition on their way to the into the trophy as well. So they've pretty much rolled half the league to get there. For me, the Johnny Warren is going to be Joe Lolly this season. He looks, last season he was warming into it. He had six goals, six assists. In the Australia Cup alone, he's got one goal, six assists. 
And I feel like if you cannot shut this guy down, he is going to absolutely tear you apart. Um, and so it looks like to me a Sydney clean sweep. Sydney Queens clean sweep. There you go. Cooper, what were your three? Yeah, so um, Sydney FC, Fabio Gomez, Fabio Gomez for me. Um, and it's going to be a very wow. long season if we have to watch six months of Sydney FC dominance. All right, I'll offer, I'll offer up something different then just for, for the sake of devil's advocate or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm going to do the, the safe one, the Melbourne City. They're going to be right around the mark again, aren't they? They've got the players. They've got a team there. Um, Even with the turnover, Sammy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They'll still be right there. They know what they're doing. Um, Johnny Warren, I've gone uh, maybe just a little uh, little out of left field. Josh Belante, I think, okay. at 30 now. Um, at West Sydney in the midfield there. He's He's been a brilliant A-League player for a while now. I think he really flies under the radar. I, I think if, if Brimmer can win a... Johnny Warren, then why can't Belante? The other name I've just written down here, though, is uh, the new guy that's come into into Melbourne City, Tolga Arslan. Yeah, yeah. The uh, what is he? The new the new pantomime villain. Yeah, I'm sure he he will be. (laughs) He will be a villain. I'm sure. Um, Coming out of Udinese, where he played like ninety odd games um, in Syria for them, he's played for Fenerbahce, played for. Played nearly 90 games for Besiktas. He played for Hamburg. So he's played Bundesliga, Turkish League, Serie A, and plenty of it too. At 33, maybe just looking to end out the career and come and uh, do a job for City. I feel like they know what they're doing with their recruitment as well. And I feel like this is a big scalp to get. I'll just throw his name his name into the ring for Johnny Warren just because. And then Golden Boot, I've also gone Fabio Gomez. Oh, clean sweep. Fabio Gomez. Imagine he rocks up and scores five goals this season. That'll be a disaster. Yeah, is there anyone still else? Wins it. Uh, uh, um, a Luke Quoll is second in the market to be golden boot this season. Mm. Mm. I thought yeah. that too. I don't know. It seems like unders. I don't know. I don't know. It's always really hard. There's always such a big turnover of players and players moving clubs. Um, I think you just got to turn to the biggest. I like your suggestion of Joe Lolly. I feel like that's a good one. Um, I don't mind Volante. Um, Cooper's Fabio Gomez. If Gomez, if we think he's going to come out and score twenty odd goals, he probably wins it too. So, probably wins it. Um, yeah, sure, it's all there. What do we think of? Uh, I don't know how highly rated he is anymore, really. But Berengar going to Brisbane, I think it's great. I, think I thought is he a sniff. Yeah, I thought he would have been a great signing for Adelaide. Cooper's uh, shaking his head really angrily. If not Tunnycliffe, Berengar would have been a fucking brilliant signing. Yeah, I would love to have had him. Yeah, I'm just Cooper, not you don't sure. Agree. I'm just not sure that Brisbane have the quality for him to have the same effect for them that he had for City for the multiple years that he did. Like okay. you're going from picking out balls to the ten great marquees that he played with in his time with City and Jamie McLaren to Thomas Waddingham, who's in scored a few goals in the Oz Cup, but incredibly young. Carlo Armiento and you know Nikola Miliuznic. I'm not sure the quality is necessarily there in front of him for. Berenguer to unlock mm. what he has done mm. for City. I will not have I a bad we... word said about Nikola Milosnitz on this pod. No, neither will I. The quality for Brisbane this season lies in the midfield where you have Jay O'Shea and Joe Coletti. Uh, Joe Coletti, the nugget who I've always loved and I thought was criminally disposed of. I would pre- much prefer him over Cavallo and Dorigo. He had a great Australia Cup. I reckon you've got a really nice midfield three there that can do damage. That's some you say some 
utter garbage on this podcast, but that's one of the stupidest things I reckon I've ever heard you say. You wait. Joe Coletti is going to have a fucking breakout season this, this year. Joe and we are going to You are full of it. You talk shit about him every week at Adelaide, and now you're saying he's going to kill us? Come on, if, man. If he is in if Nugget, he is in has had Brisbane, a brilliant Australia If he is in Brisbane starting 11 for a majority of this season, I will lock them bottom three, not even bottom four. I'll lock them bottom three. Nah, stop Jeez. that. Do something real. Nah, come up with something real right now. What will you do? What will you do personally if he starts more than 50% of the games for Brisbane? What will you do? <laughs> Tommy, how confident are you in Brisbane? Do we do the old night shift six-pack bet? Oh, oh no, how many six packs do I owe? <laughs> he still owes me a six pack for Lewandowski last. I think he owes, I think he owes you two six packs because he had Javi Lopez over Goodwin winning the club champion. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you're you're halfway to a carton. Sam. At this point, just get the carton, and I'll worry about winning the next two bets later. Um, all right. Either of you have? Uh, we'll just try and quickly wrap up. We've gone on a bit, but do either of you have any other thoughts on? Any of the other teams in this league, we don't we we kind of neglect the rest of the league a bit. This is really an Adelaide United pod for us, but but is there anything that uh, you fancy at any of the other sides or any main main takeaways from preseason? What, what do you think about Melbourne Victory this season? They've signed Daniel Arzani, which could work. Adama Traore comes mm-hmm. from Western Sydney. Uh, the big signing is Ryan Teague, who used to be a Sydney FC youth product. Uh, like myriad of young Socceroos caps across all the age groups. He's come back. I think he could be maybe the game breaker, like a Aiden O'Neill, Connor Metcalf kind of signing. And I think he could really announce himself this season. Are they good enough to actually challenge for the title? Mm, I don't think so. Um, Uh, And I'm looking at the players they've recruited in as well and like, they're still going to be having Lee Broxham play games. Like, come on, you can't. Um, Johnny Warren medalist. The the Frenchman they picked up from midfield has been playing in Greece at a low a, a low side. I don't like it. Don't His like first it name's Zinedine. Like, that and just screams quality. The other guys we saw, like Roderick last season, you know, just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're very good. Connor Chapman, come on. Um, yeah, it gives a spell. Gives a spell. They can win a championship. They can't win a Premier's plate. They're not going to be consistent enough okay. to finish top of this league. But given we have a format where all they have to do is finish sixth and hit a run of form to win a title, they're capable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Who finishes bottom? That's what I want to know. Uh, us. Us. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that's grim. <laughs> no, I, I think... Is it too harsh to say Wellington just because... We pretty much do this every season, I think. Everyone always pots the nuts. Just put the Knicks last. Um, The Jets for me. The Jets. Jets last. Let me just have a quick look at this squad. It's not good. It'll be one of them. It's, it's It'll not be good. one of them. Jason Hoffman's still playing as well. It's, that That's a sign. <laughs> you know, if Lee Broxham and J- Jason Hoffman are still playing A-League games and starting, um, that's not a good sign as is Joe Coletti with Brisbane. So we'll wrap it there, I reckon. That's a... Oh, boy. We've got a big season coming. Uh, we'll, if you're listening, this is the first time. Stick around. We're going to have weekly... We'll talk about every Adelaide's night of game. We do a pod for each game, so we'll do that. We have our weekly European shows coming with all the all the green logos. Check out the green logo. That'll that'll show you where to go. Um, boys, I'll see you Friday, I guess, at High Marsh. See you later. See you.